Hey there, everybody. M and M and M and G this week across the board. <laughs> Episode 23. I'm Sean Martin. As you know, Eric and his uh, hat of the week down low and subbing for Ashley this week is Tom Gozlowski, the Goz, the emperor of the Godzilla media uh, empire, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> and uh, the producer and the head guy of our show is joining us today. Uh, guys, hey, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself for those that uh, don't know you? Well, thank you for that warm introduction. I'm going to tell my wife all of those things, and she will reset exactly where I'm placed on the emperor list of where that's happening. But I appreciate right, you doing you know. that. That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been listening to your guys' podcast for months. It is so cool to be on this and be a part of this and be a part of the conversation. Uh, Ashley, I know, is going to be great, doing great things. She'll be back eventually very soon. But uh, for those who are finding out about me for the first time, Godzilla Media started in 2021. We've got a bunch of different podcasts, talked about a bunch of different people. My background, I've always wanted to be a sports broadcaster, media guy, born and raised in Syracuse, moved out to the Capital Region in 2015, uh, played college football at Hobart out in Geneva, and I love college football. That's one of my things, love all sports, but in particular this year, uh, I was fortunate enough to represent the Capital Region for the seventh year in a row, voting for the Heisman Trophy, the Ben mm -hmm. Narek, uh, the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year, the College Football Hall of Fame. A lot of cool things I've been able to be a part of this year. So I know we got some college football talks, some NFL, some great conversations on the way. So looking forward to this. And quick social media handle, at Tom Goss, T-O-M-G was easy on Twitter. So that's where you can find me as well. Well, Guys, this is like uh, you know crossover, like Law and Order, SVU, and crimes. You know, the organized crime. It's great to have a uh, guest star join us this week. Maybe we should all cross over different podcasts. That would be interesting. I love it. Yeah, if you guys ever crash the Levac and Gasha at some point, we'll have about five different squares. Who knows? Maybe the the Hideaway <laughs> will be sitting having some Bloody Marys at one point during the NFL season very soon. Good. Hey, if the Huskers ever get somebody worth any anything resembling a Heisman vote, I'll be in touch with you. Okay. <laughs> Sean and I will not participate in cash. the Montreal Canadiens podcast, so the two of us will not no. do that one. Okay, that makes sense. All right, I'll break those are the notes I'll put down. <laughs> so this week, the uh, the awful news, you know, for for me particularly, just the sad news: John Madden passing yesterday. That one, that was a kind of a, an oh shit moment when I saw it. Uh, it was sad for me, you know, um, you know, our viewers know I'm a Raider fan, true and true back to the seventies. Um, you know, when coach Madden, I, I, to me, John Madden's a football coach first, a broadcaster second. I'm not much a video game guy. Um, but he was, he was the Oakland Raiders when I grew up in the Bay area. So that one hit me particularly hard. You know, one of the things I think a lot of people don't know, especially younger viewers, know of his his accomplishments as a coach uh, 10 years of the raiders he had the highest winning percentage of any coach who coached 100 or more games he won 75.9 percent of his games i saw stats today to put it in context i know the belichick year sorry cleveland counts but belichick would have to win 137 straight games to get to madden's winning percentage hmm. um 103 32 and seven in in 10 years and some of the things I love going back and watching old clips on YouTube um, of those Raider teams that, you know, it's back to my childhood. And, uh, you know, an NFL network, kudos to them. They played the Sea of Hands game today, uh, replayed it December 23rd of 74 when the Raiders beat Miami, <clears throat> ending their two year Super Bowl run. And a couple of things that always stood out when, when Madden's players would talk about him. 
<clears throat> before Super Bowl eleven, Phil Villapiano, if you've never seen any of his clips, he's a great talker. He said Madden's message to the team was, this will be the single biggest event in your whole life as long as you win. And that, and with that, the, the team went out there. So and, and uh, so what, I just want to get your guys' thoughts there. And you read Peter King today on Twitter saying that John Madden may be the single most influential person in, in the history of the NFL, which is pretty hard regard coming from Peter King. Well, Sean, as I think you know, uh, Mangoes, I worked at Cal Poly, which is getting a lot of attention because uh, he went there. I, it was probably the best job I ever had and one of the most beautiful places to live. Uh, we had some pretty well-known sports alums, most notably Ozzie Smith, Bobby Bethard, you remember with Washington, and Ted Tolner, who gave him a, a madness shot with San Diego State. And uh, John was a lineman for the Mustangs in the late 50s. He knew many of the individuals who perished in Ohio in 1960 when the Cal Poly football team had a plane crash. And there's thought that that is part of the reason uh, that he was not uh, going to fly on many planes, as, as many people know. But uh, what he did there, he later supported the program with an annual golf tournament. And Sean would have loved it if he'd been there. Bolitnikoff, Stabler, Ted Hendricks, they all came back and played for his golf tournament. So he brought back many of the legendary Raiders. And in 91, he pushed for a referendum at the school that uh, lives to this day. They added money to uh, ensure that the sport of football would not be dropped there. And his work uh, led to the program going to Division I, where it is now. So I remember when he came off his Madden Cruiser, he was larger than life. And he cast a big shade on a very sunny San Luis Obispo day, because it was always sunny there. But I know uh, they're putting out a release today, and... It is a dark day at Cal Poly today, for sure. For me, John Madden, we hear this expression in sports. We talk about someone who grew up in your living room. Now, that expression used to be for the old school radio voices where there was the actual radio in somebody's living room and you would turn on the game. It would be your family and then that voice and whatever it was, decades plus, that didn't happen anymore because technology and sports evolved. But what happened with John Madden is, not only was that voice, as you've mentioned, Sean, like a coach, but for that next generation, you heard him as a broadcaster. In the biggest games, there he was in your living room. And when the game ended for a fan base that probably ranges anywhere between 37 and maybe even 18, like a 20-year gap, you put in a video game and it says Madden. <laughs> you may not ever remember him as a coach, no. ever remember him at Cal Poly, ever remember him as a broadcaster. But you see this big smile, big football guy who's making these crazy noises, maybe like an uncle or a dad who's having so much fun he can't contain it. That's what I remember about John Madden, that it truly was that scene of somebody in your living room watching sports with you in so many different ways. And at least in my lifetime, there's probably not that many anybody broadcaster, coach athlete that really fits that description. The, the thing with Madden as a broadcaster was – it wasn't a it wasn't a shtick with him. Mm -hmm. All right. That's who he was. And you know, some guys, some guys I used to revere 20, 30 years ago. Now I can't I can't can't do it. Okay. I've, I've kind of been there, I've seen that movie a few times, but not him. He was pure and he was raw. And one of the, a couple other things he used to say to his team. I always laughed at this. I saw in NFL films once. He, he used to tell the Raiders, don't worry about the horse being blind, just load the wagon. 
<laughs> and you think about that for a minute. And then and then I saw one today where basically he had three rules as a coach. One was be on time. Two was uh, uh, pay attention. And three was play like hell when I tell you. And that was it. And that was those Raider teams. And I did want to read, you know, look, for those that don't know, I grew up in the Bay Area in the 70s. Um, I wrote a book last year to my, my boys, Liam and Noah. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm just odd. But the Raiders were a big influence on me just growing up there. The organizational philosophy, Al Davis, they didn't care what color you were. They didn't care if you were strange. If you could play football, that's all they cared about. It was the Island of Misfit Toys. And I'm going to read a quick excerpt of my book last year, from last year's book that I wrote to my boys. And I mentioned the Raiders and the organizational philosophy in it. Okay, uh, another value, life lessons you learn, things like teamwork, success, success and failure, competing until the bitter end, and never giving up are concepts that can be learned through sports. An example I can give is Daddy's favorite football team, the Raiders, a group that played in a city named Oakland in California when Daddy was a little guy. The Raiders had a philosophy of doing whatever it took to be successful. How you accomplish the task at hand wasn't as important as long as you found success at the end of the day. Having a different personality and being an independent thinker was not frowned upon. It was encouraged. And the end result was all that mattered. Daddy has incorporated that belief into his adult life, especially at work. When I was a supervisor at my jobs, I wanted my employees to be comfortable in their role, find their own methods to do their work. And as long as they were ethically compliant, all that mattered was they got the job done on time and accurately. I found that letting them be themselves and be comfortable with not just doing their jobs, that they were doing it the way they preferred, helping them feel good about their work they were doing and resulted in very positive results. I, I drew that whole philosophy based my whole work life on something I learned from the Raiders. And back then, <laughs> I tell you, Al Davis was the face of the Raiders. But back then, you didn't hear as much about him. It was John Madden. Davis was there. He was the owner, managing general partner. But Madden was the face of the Raiders back in those 70s. Davis didn't emerge as much until later, um, probably when the franchise started to go to hell in a handbasket and you had a different coach every year, and somebody had to step up and take that mantle. That's what John Madden meant to the Raiders, and that's what he meant to me. I The best clip today, okay, I got to borrow the whiteboard, was <laughs> when he put the whiteboard up and Pat Summerall was staring at him, okay? And Pat Summerall had Tom Brookshire. They were more straight guys. Pat Summerall was old school, and here comes Madden into the booth, and he goes, so what you're going to do is he's going to come here, he's going to come here, he's going to go boom, and then he's going to come over here, and you're going to come over here, and he's, and you're actually, actually understanding what he's trying to say, and you feel like you're in the damn locker room. And it was priceless to see Pat Summerall just stare and say, what have we gotten ourselves into? And think about a professional like him, and think about a professional like Al Michaels, the different people, and John Madden didn't change at all, did he, guys? No. He didn't change. He did his piece, and Al Michaels said it. When he worked with him for seven years, he said, it felt like I won the lottery. How much fun is it to be put into the locker room? That's what it felt like, didn't it? Yeah, I think it, it was ironic that the NFL, they ran that um, Madden show the other day on Christmas Day. Uh, and then, and then, you know, less than, less than a week later, he's gone. And one of the things I took for it was, uh, from it was Lawrence Taylor's interview saying they knew when John Madden was calling the game, 
And they knew that Madden could elevate them if they gave him a reason to. And, and I've never, ever once thought about that at that level. Let's see Annabelle, you know, with Lawrence Taylor and whoever else. And Phil Sims came out and said uh, something very similar today. It's amazing that the players were aware of that, of his presence in the building. Amazing what John Madden was able to do. And you guys touched on some great stories in the locker room conversations. And one other thing to add, maybe for the younger listener, let's not forget Pat Summerall was also a player too, but they're yeah. so different. Like he is such a straight man that we almost forget that, you know, he has this experience as an athlete, but John Madden said, no, 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 Pat, I know you want, like, as, as Eric just said, no, we're going right in the locker room. We're opening up these things. We're going to peel back the curtain. And I know it's going to frustrate you, but I'm telling you, our listeners are going to appreciate it more than you ever know. And those guys had that great chemistry together. It's uh, it's also telling I think he's the only broadcaster to work for all four networks covering mm. the sport. Yeah. Too. Yes. That tells you how much in demand he was. He could, he could call his shot uh, wherever he wanted to go and whenever he wanted to do it. And when it was time to stop doing Fox or CBS and then Fox, it was time for Monday Night Football. And I mean, that's powerhouse to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, if you're a free agent, they got to be throwing big money at him. They gave him a bus for crying out loud. <laughs> and the, the people at Cal Poly, when you could see he was, this was the way he was. There was, there was no shtick uh, script. This is the way he was, guys. And that was it. And he was that way when you meet him. He was actually more private, more serious when you talk to him uh, when it came to business like, you know, the golf tournament, things like that. But uh, the thing that amazed everybody was that he signed on to this video game thing. OK, he's not a techie guy. And the feeling was he's very smart and he sees potential. OK, he probably wouldn't know which thing to click in this ea sports video thing but the man was smart and he got involved in something like ty cobb did with a drink called coca-cola and it's a big chance to put your name out there when your name is that big on a product like something that has no history like a video game and so you guys are right he will live on forever because of ea sports for the kids that now can do things that you know when we first started playing those video games it was beep, bop, boop, boop, and now you can see the face and the sweat and all that stuff. So uh, it was surprising that he got involved in that, but that's because he's smart and he had vision. And I've got to clean off my whiteboard. Camera <laughs> <laughs> one just went uh, DOA on me here, so I had to switch to another one to give you a different look. So. Hence the change. How about while well, you guys are doing some maintenance? Sean and, and Eric, is it cool if I talk about my friends in Mohawk Honda? Do you guys mind that yeah, a little bit? Go for it. Hot All sauce, right. our man. Yeah, hot sauce Doyle and everybody at Mohawk Honda, even though 2021 is closing down, 2022 will still offer you great deals. Take advantage of the programs going on right now at the end of the year. So many people look at December and January and think, you know what? My budget's not where it needs to be. I'm trying to save. I'm trying to find these dollars. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, I'm hopping into a new pilot. I talked to my guy, Cam again over there, Greg Johnson, the crew. They said, guys, now's the time to make the move. We talked about budget. We talked about lifestyle. We talked about what works for you. And the pilot program worked for me. So 2022, I'm getting into a new pilot. You can do the same for yourself right now if you head over to Glenville, New York, and talk to our friends at Mohawk Honda. Make sure to follow them on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the ways in which you can connect with their great staff. Again, 
Hot sauce, Jake Dola, who Eminem and M across the board loves. Cam McKenna, Brian McKenna, Greg Johnson, John in service, man. I feel like he might be the John Madden. That's a high comparison for our guy, John. But if you saw him, man, a big smile and a big bear hug when you bring one of those vehicles into service. Mohawk Honda right there in Glenville. Wherever you're listening across upstate New York, work with people that you can trust during the car buying experience. It's Mohawk Honda where they always go out of their way to please you. Got the hat on there. Kick off to the NFL now. Uh, Go for it. This is for New Jersey, but I'm not going to talk about any teams at the Meadowlands, I promise. Okay, so (laughs) four downs before I have to punt to Sean. First down is Cincinnati. Good for the fans of Queen City. The Bengals are getting the job done. Well, elder teams stumble and they just can't stay healthy. The balance of the Bengals is amazing. And I think you've seen this one. Burroughs passed for 4,000. Mixon rushes for 1,000. Chase and Higgins each receiving 1,000. They're all under 30. It's incredible. Burroughs tossed for 525, yes, against a battered Baltimore secondary. But the other divisional teams, guys, enter this week with a combined seven straight L's. Now, second down. It feels different in Dallas this year. I'm eating crow. I didn't think this would happen in December. But there's dominance and no fade in Santa's month. Zach is back through a TD to a, this is cool, wide receiver, running back, tight end, and offensive lineman. Guys probably took the football to bed. Well, the home fans got 56 points on the board, an average of just over 14 points allowed in four games, and we have talked on here about Micah Parsons. To heck with just D rookie of the year. The guy's the D player of the year. Period. End of story. Third down. Rams have taken over the NFC West with four straight, while the birds in Arizona are flying south. Sony Michelle, since he they picked him up from the Pats when they had no running backs healthy in camp. He has started all four of those wins and had 131 on the ground last last week. Stafford probably wishes he could find the cup when he plays golf as well as he is finding Cooper Cup, because Cooper has averaged 124 receiving in the four-game streak. Rams look solid and consistent. And then fourth down, does any of us remember when Kansas City was two and three? Bueller? Bueller? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do, too. I do. The Chiefs have now won eight straight, and Mahomes has not tossed for two or more ints in two months. We talked about early in the year what he was doing. He listens to us, I guess. Kelsey had nearly 200 with his two TDs last week, and the KC defense has allowed 10 or less points in four of the last five. That's all it has to be for them to keep rolling like this, and it'll be a fun game with them and a tough test at Cincinnati this week. Time for me to punt, and the ball is coming to Sean. Let's see if he takes a fair catch. Yeah, no no fair catch at all. (laughs) I notice your... Patriots garb is absent this week. I happen to listen. (laughs) I listened to your four downs and you failed to bring that one up. (laughs) And you know what? But I'm going to take the blame because I needed the Pats defense to step up and have a big game. Because in my fantasy football semifinal game, I was facing the guy with Josh Allen. I was the highest scoring team in the league by a lot. I was the top seed. And guess what? I ain't playing this week because Bill Belichick let me. That's the first time in my life I ever rooted for them since the fumble in the snow in 2002. Which he talks Uh, about each week, yes. Yeah, I do. It was a fumble. Sorry. 
uh, <laughs> so yeah, the past let me down. So I, I didn't think I could dislike them more than I did a week ago at this time, but I do. Uh, so yeah, we have to get in and get that in there. That was a beatdown, and I, man, eh, you know, I guess I enjoyed it in the end when it was over. But uh, other than that, a couple others, yeah, I think Arizona, they're they're done. They're yeah, yeah. Cliff Clingsbury, you look at that man's record going back to Texas Tech in the second half of the seasons. I I had the stats up earlier in the week and forgot to write. They're awful. Uh, they are absolutely terrible. He gets off to good. Every starts. week we're playing it, Sean. He's like five and yeah. seventeen now. Yeah, yeah, he may he may lose his job, uh, and deservedly so because whatever if, if teams are catching up to him and, and his philosophies and what they're doing, he's not making any adjustments and it shows. And Kyler Murray right now is probably wishing he was playing third base for the A's, as far as the winning goes. Not his bank account that's that's healthy, but uh, they're not they're not doing a whole lot now. They do miss DeAndre Hopkins. That's a big nut to take out of there, but still they're they're a, they're in big trouble. I have two questions for both of you because I love the takes from both of you. Now, my mind, and maybe this is just being a listener of Eminem across the board. Now I get to be actually in the huddle with you guys when this happened. Uh, the first question is going to go to Sean because Bill's Patriots, for me, I badly want to see that in the wild card round. That's the game yeah. of any game. You told me I get to pick one game I would love to see again. Yeah. Could you imagine on a Saturday night we get round three, Bill's Pats? Yeah. Now, you're a Raider fan. Obviously, you're rooting against the Chiefs to get crushed whoever they play in the, we'll call it the expanded divisional round, if they end up being the top seed. Would you be, Sean Martin, rooting for the winner of Bill's Pets to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I would. Um, I've grown to hate the Chiefs so much. They've The Chiefs have passed Denver on my really? most hateable. And that has been Denver has owned that since 1977. All those years, the Chiefs stunk, and you were Denver anti-Denver. I had a student just like him that hated Denver more than anybody. Wow. Denver owned, has owned that moniker since 1977, since mm-hmm. we got screwed in the AFC title game in Mile High Stadium. We, we get screwed every year, every game, so I always have something. But, yeah, we got hosed. So, yeah, the Broncos have owned that for 40 years, 40-something years. Um yeah, that's how much I detest the Chiefs. I would root for the Patriots over the Chiefs. Plus, I'm married to a Patriots fan, um, so that you know makes it a little easier. But uh, yeah, I, I can't do it. That's where the, the the I agree with you guys. The Pats Bills would be monster hype and build up. It'd be a fun game to watch. And Eric, for you, no pressure here, but I know nobody on the Gaza Media team can give a better answer than you can because of your background and your professional career about a certain interviewee an interviewer at the end of the press conference involving somebody asking bill belichick about his new year's resolution and i know you don't have all the details because there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes I but saw it. can you explain to some people how that happens or what anything in your career that you can even compare to that with post-game press conferences of something that bizarre happening after a big game Yes, guys. Good question. Every stinking Super Bowl media day. Okay, you've got the writers. I think you've been to the been there. You guys. Yes, multiple times. Four four times station. I've been there. Yep. Great. And and you know your stuff. And whether it's Belichick or, or Jim Moore or whatever the coach doesn't matter who it is. The fact is, they have to be there with every player. They have their booth, their area, and anybody can ask. And at the Super Bowl, there's people that don't even know who the coach or the players are. Okay, they'll go to a uh, you know, four-string rookie offensive lineman and ask him what his favorite color is. So that's what I compare it to. Right. I thought Belichick handled it perfectly. He said, now is not the time for that. 
and it isn't. And you cannot screen the questions. But if you see somebody new, and Sean knows this from presses I've done, you got to talk to them, have a little briefing, say, what you know, what are you here for? What are you covering? Tell us what you'd like to ask, you know, when, because you're not going to ignore somebody. Everybody gets their time. But it's a good question. I'm, I will put the pats to bed on my end. The fact is the defense was so solid. The last two weeks, they've been outscored 34 to 7 in the first half. They have a rookie quarterback who's playing now like a rookie. They don't have an explosive passing game. They bury themselves, and they need a fifth quarter to come back to win. And you're not going to do that. So they've got to figure out how to, to uh, you know, that problem, as he called Josh Allen, is a problem. That's a compliment when he says it. And they were one for 10 on third down. Not time to panic, but will this be the Josh Allen now we'll see the rest of the way that we'd like to see? Or is it going to be the one that got flummoxed here and there with a couple bad losses? It could be like Ali Frazier three. How about <laughs> Fury Wilder three for the younger boxer fans, right? That's what we could get for Bill's Pats three. And Eric, to your answer, and I think this will probably bring a smile to both your faces for our audio listeners that for the press conference I've gone to, because I've been a radio guy my, my whole life and now a podcast, non-traditional media guy. I've never had the courage of any press conference I've ever done to ask a question. Now I've had one-on-one settings. I've had like little, you know, uh, scrums they're called, right? Where you might grab a question, but because I've always been an audio guy, I know the TV guys got to get something for their reel. So they know exactly what they're going to ask. Very good. Yes. I know the writers have a quote they want to get. So I always get out of everybody else's way because I'm like, I'm a, I'm a sound guy. You guys are going to ask a good question. I'm just going to stick my mic out there. Remember to put it on airplane mode, by the way, younger listeners, and I'm going to get what I need. So I'm sure you guys have probably seen those young, what's the term, cub reporters that are just there to take a few things for social media, put your phone there and figure it out. So yeah, courage to her because even guys like you've done it before, I wouldn't even have asked the question, let alone to build Belichick, let alone after a loss of the bills. I would have asked him, right? The, the, the worst I ever felt for somebody it was, he was his first year it was my second year back in this industry in 2008. And we were at a, a section two high school hockey championship game. Okay. A little, little lower level than the NFL, but team got beat. The game was scoreless with a minute to go team scored a goal and then got two empty netters ended up being three zip. And when we're talking to the losing coach and that's always tough, they just lost a championship and, and this this young guy says, well, Coach, what can you learn from this? How can you what can you take from this game to help you the rest of the year? Yeah, I made that face yeah, too. Boy. Thank God there was no guy. And the coach looked at him. He goes, "Our season's over. We lost." And I was just like, "Oh man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, you got you got to do a little bit of research on where you're going and what uh. you're doing." <laughs> God, when I was I was on that side when I was uh, in college and I went to spring training games. My sister lived down there. And I got a media pass. We had a radio show in college, and I went to the Rangers, the Texas Rangers Park, uh, and uh, sat in on Raider was the manager. He wasn't there that long. Great guy though. And when he was done with all the beat writers and everybody, he came over. He said, "Son, you, you got a question?" I said, "Who I was?" He said, Let's take a walk. You don't see that now. And we walked out in the outfield and I did an interview with him with no notes and just talked about his career and what, you know, the time that time they had Mickey Rivers, et cetera. But you don't see that now. But there's a lot of kids that do need to learn and it's good for them to be in the room. 
but I don't think you'll see Belichick take a kid under his wing and walk out of the field and do that. Not today. No. Hey, I, I, I got a question for you guys. I'm, sure. I'm not a Cowboy fan, uh, but they had their rival at home the other night, and they beat their ass. They beat them so bad they had them fighting amongst themselves on the sidelines. Are the Cowboys legit? Are they peaking at the right time? Yes, I would say they are. I think Eric mentioned this as well, that it, there's a different vibe with Dallas. There was just this constant attitude, whether it's Tony Romo when he was a quarterback, whether it was Jason Garrett, that they're going to get to the postseason and something's going to go wrong, whether it's a bad snap or a bad hold, depending on who you want to blame. It's definitely the hold, Romo, right? Uh, something goes wrong in those games where just like Dallas is going to choke it. Now, people looked at Mike McCarthy and want to forget that he won a Super Bowl and just give it to Aaron Rodgers. And if the Cowboy hater wants to say, oh, the football team from Washington had to play two games in five days and that's why they weren't ready, that's not a 49-7 to loss or whatever the number ends up being. Like, you want to lose because you blow it in the fourth quarter? We can have a conversation about that. Not when you don't want to show up. But to Dallas, they're complete. They got the wide receivers. They got a quarterback that can make plays. They got a running back. They got a defense that likes to get the football with Diggs constantly picking it off. Yeah, I don't think any team, including Tampa, the defending champions, including the Rams, nobody should want that matchup against Dallas come January. Yeah, the thing with Dallas, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, just a few weeks ago, I was like, what happened to this guy? He's not what he used to be. He looked pretty yeah. good Sunday night, and they can spell him and put Tony Pollard in there because that dude can fly. Yeah. Um, he's just an added dimension for them, and Eric brought up Parsons earlier. He is all over the football field. Um, yeah, they're a dangerous team, and Dak, Dak Prescott, his comeback this year from that injury has, has been phenomenal. Um, they're a real threat. You've got four, at least four solid teams in the NFC. That's going to be a wild playoff, too. Yeah, and, and Dallas, <clears throat> I, it, we look at Toronto, and it's a hockey market, okay? There's certain places you know what, what the big deal is. And in Dallas, they're not talking about the Rangers or the Stars. Or, no, it's Cowboys 13 months of the year, period. And this is usually the year when the media just buries them. And I think finally these guys are coming together. And I've never been a wild fan of Jerry Jones, but damn it, he got the incredible stadium built. And he's done a remarkable job in the players that they've been able to get in the drafting, even though as an owner being in the draft room is kind of scary. But – Hats off to people in Dallas because I think they've got something special. It, the playoffs are going to be loads of fun this year in the <laughs> NFC. I'll tell you what, the other hot team, um, I picked Miami to make not only make the playoffs, Brian Flores to win coach of the year. and here, here they are with seven in a row. That was an awful game to watch on Monday night with New Orleans. Poor Ian Book. He, you know, hopefully he gets another shot. That was a tough, tough start for them. But the Dolphins all of a sudden are red hot. Um, and they could be the team to trip up New England um, yes. to help Season Buffalo ender. take that division title. Yeah. And the, the problem I feel like with Miami, as good as they're playing, and there's always a team like this in any sport, whether it's the NFL, NBA, hockey, NHL, Major League Baseball. You look at one team at the end of the year, and you're like, if they were in the other conference this year, <laughs> how different would we view them, right? Like, if the Dolphins were in the NFC, wouldn't we talk East. about them as yeah, but the NFC East in particular, right? Mm. Wouldn't we talk about them as the sixth best team now? I know we're an expanded playoff, but we would probably just quickly no particular order: Tampa, uh, Los Angeles, Arizona, Dallas. Those would be the teams like off the top, and I'm sure I'm missing one. But then like then Miami would be there. Like Miami would be the sixth best team in the NFC, and now we're probably going to have a conversation if that horrible start costs them 
a potential playoff berth. That's the team that, man, if you're a Dolphin fan, you're like, can we just how about just get rid of the conferences <laughs> this year? Just put us in the NFC one time. This would be the right year for it. All right. Hey, guys, how about our friends at Johnstone? Yeah, our guy Johnstone Supply in Troy, our friends over there. This season, 2021, the final year, it's not too late to stop over to Johnstone Supply in Troy. Maybe you're having that big New Year's Eve party. Maybe you've got some fun things planned for those NFL playoff games and college football bowl games. Well, if you're having your friends or family over, you want to make sure your home is safe. The best way to do it is to call our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy, 518-272-5922. That's their number. Again, one more time for you, 518-272-5922. Say what's up to our guy, George, if you don't know about him. Check him out on a former episode of Getting There with Goss. He's got stories from his boxing background with Verno Phillips talking about championship <laughs> fights. Our guy, Tom, who is a big Titan fan, was probably mad that we didn't mention more of his Titans on this. Tom, we'll have more Titan talk, I'm sure, on other podcasts. Don't you worry. <laughs> but Kevin, James, and everybody else, they're great sports fans, and they're guys who want to help your home be safe for this end of the year and into 2022. Update your furnace today. They have Goodman furnaces that are now in stock, dependable, made in America, and efficient for you. How often are you checking your air filters? Johnstone Supply and Troy can help you to make sure it's good to go. Maybe something as small as a nest in your home to make sure it's up and safe and ready to go. Visit them on 6th Avenue in Troy. And again, their number one more time, helping people across the capital region in Troy for decades. It's 518-272-5922. Our friends at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Great job, buddy. And hey, listen, first of all, I did not know you played college football. That's something oh. that I'll talk to you about another time. I had no idea. I know you have senior Hobart, pro Hobart stuff. Uh, <laughs> He's a statesman. You there, right? I know you play football. Yeah, that oh, is uh, statesman. That's right, Eric. You know my alma mater, the statesman right there. Yes. Well, I've one lost day... there many times. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the lakes there of uh, the Finger Lakes, right? That's my old stomping grounds there in Geneva. So, yeah, that'll be maybe for another podcast, another day to talk about that whole recruiting process and how different the Division Three football, but still the opportunity. I always tell people that it's an opportunity. It's a privilege to play college athletics. And that's a little preview for the whiteboard segment coming up with me later. But uh, college football, guys, we've got the playoff on the way this weekend. I know it's on New Year's Eve and the ratings may not be as high as they've been in the past. If you go back in history and you compare 2013 to 2014, we saw a 45% drop. They wanted New Year's Eve to be like the can't miss day for college football, but people are too busy watching Ryan Seacrest and the ball drop everywhere else. But we still get college football. And uh, Sean, I'll start with you. Maybe it's a simple question out of the gate for people who need a refresher. You guys grew up when there was no BCS. There yeah. was a mythical national champion. Are you both fans of the four-team college football playoff? Um, I am a fan because for years I screamed for it. Yeah, yeah. Some look, someone's always going to get hosed. Okay, even in the NCAA basketball tournament, somebody is just missing sixty-eight. There's sixty-nine or seventy in there. Okay, they're going to expand it because the money is so great. Right. The the thing I don't like about it is. It's taken a lot away from the bowl games, but what are you going to do? You can't have it both ways. But the electricity around the Final Four, I can't wait. I can't figure out the New Year's Eve thing. I don't know why they don't put it New Year's Day. Play the early games, 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and then give them the stage. I don't interfere with the Rose Bowl, but figure that out. It's in the it's, it's, it's in the rotation most of the time. I love it. 
um, I go back to the the game that I stands out to me was Baker Mayfield senior year when Georgia and, and Oklahoma went overtime. Chubb and Sony Michelle were a tag team. Um, that was a great one, and I think we have another one on tap. The second game Saturday night. I, I'm interested in seeing how Cincinnati if they can hang with Big Bad Alabama. But that second game for me, I can't wait to watch. And my wife is upstairs and can probably hear me. The ball's going to be dropping, and Ryan Seacrest will be on TV, and we'll be in the third quarter of the Orange Bowl. So we got to figure <laughs> that out. Well, it, with over 40 years in college athletics and, and working everything from archery to yachting, I guess, uh, I don't count zebra hunting as a sport, but every college sport has a champion. At every NCAA level, and, and it was amazing because my brother went to grad school in Michigan, and he's like, how come there's no Division One?" And I said, don't even go there. So I am a bowl aficionado. I do think they've expanded a little too much. I'm not a fan of a six-and-five team getting to play for a, a title, but they do have cool swag at these bowls, so I give you that much. But I do think it's good, guys, because it, there's a clear-cut champ. Now, I, I want to touch on Cincinnati, as, as Sean was saying, because – doesn't happen. This is the the football city of Ohio this week. You want to be in Cincinnati, okay? Not just Bengals, but what could happen on Friday. It's the biggest weekend in uh, the state of Ohio, probably since Canton. And the Bearcats, they're holding a torch for all the group of five. The group of five sounds like Biden joins four of the world leaders somewhere in Geneva. <laughs> group of five. Switzerland, but, by the way, not New York. Just to clarify. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Not Geneva, New York. Yeah. Wow. Geneva, New York. A popular you, destination tonight. <laughs> I think they can play with Alabama. They have the talent. I'm not going to say they can play a full four quarters, but they have the talent. They believe in themselves. They belong on the stage. They know that they did get the gift from others. They've done everything they can, but they did need help to get in. I think they really have to force some turnovers. But people need to understand, I mean, Fickle has built this program. They didn't just come on the scene. They won 44 of 50 over four years. And remember, Georgia, they only lost, I think, by like three in the Peach Bowl. So I give them... Uh, a lot of kudos. They're America's cuddly team right now, and I just hope that they can keep it close and try to force some turnovers. Yeah, I think the college football playoff is great. I would like to see it expanded. Yeah, uh, I, Division three has 32 teams. Uh, FCS has 24. So those lower levels have done this, and it's time for them to expand. But you know what? What's the expression? Regulars can't be choosers. We got four. Could you imagine the chaos it would have been if we had to decide two teams this year? Bama, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati. I'm glad we didn't have to do it. I'm glad it's yeah. not a problem anymore. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, go ahead guys. I, what I was going to say is that, and to Eric's point too, and to your point as well, that it always feels like there's this type of theme around a college football playoff where you're going into it. It's underdogs. It's it's favorites. It's traditional powers. I'm calling this the Andre Agassi college football playoff. The image is everything playoff. And what I mean by that mm. is, Everything can change depending on the results of how we truly view these teams and conferences in college football. Because let's say Cincinnati does it. What if they beat Bama? Like, are we going to see teams like UCF or Boise State or whoever the powers are outside of that conference five get opportunities? Are we going to judge the SEC differently? What if we flip it over and Michigan beats Georgia? Are we all of a sudden going to view the Big Ten and Harbaugh and the Wolverines as a completely different program? And what if Georgia and Alabama, unfortunately, these college football semi-games, on average, have been blowouts of 
three touchdowns per game yeah. since the college football's launched at the playoff system. If Georgia and Bama smoke them, we're going to talk about the SEC and everybody else in college football. So that's kind of how I view this college football playoff. Even as a fan, I'm calling it the Andre Agassi Bowl. Image is everything, depending on the results of these finishes. I, I'm trying to remember who the early game was today, but the SEC has not won a bowl game yet. Right. Right. So are yeah. they the big, bad SEC this year? I don't know that. I mean, Mike Leach goes in against a team, Texas Tech, that he used to coach, and he didn't leave on great terms. And you would have thought they'd have been fired up, and they got taken to the woodshed um, by, by Tech the other day. Here's what I see this week. And, guys, by the way, this system is better for this reason. The way it used to be, you had so many conference tie-ins to bowls. Yeah, locks. You got in, in, in 1997, Nebraska went to the Orange Bowl, beat Tennessee, one of the polls moved them up to a tie for number one. Michigan played a Washington State team that was good, not great. And the Tennessee team had Peyton Manning, so they were well-regarded. I think they were ranked third going in that year. Nebraska beat them up pretty good. Michigan had to hold on against Washington State. Michigan did everything in their power that they could have done. They won every game. They won the Rose Bowl. They won the team that they were designated to play. But they lost a share of the national title because Nebraska was more impressive that day against a better opponent through no fault of Michigan. You you can only play who you, who's on your schedule, right? Here's what I see this week. I, I think, obviously, Cincinnati's got to win the turnover battle. That's that's right. number one. They have to win that. I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball against Alabama. Um, I hope it's not a Bama-Notre Dame national title game a few years ago where it was over on the first drive because that was just painful to watch. Um, I think Bama at the worst is going to pull away in the second half, win something 38 to 20 to get to the title mm -hmm. games for the sixth time in eight years. Michigan has lost three straight bowl games to the SEC. I think it's different this year. I think Michigan is different this year. They got a chip on their shoulder. They showed it when they finally beat Ohio state. The interesting thing here is, Alabama exposed Georgia's pass defense. They didn't do much against with the run. They didn't have to. Yeah. Michigan's a run-oriented team. I think Michigan's going to have to throw the ball a little bit to set up the run and loosen up Georgia's defense. And if they try and do what they always do, that could be could be a little trouble for them. Um, but they're going to have to get the run game going. Now, I picked Georgia at the start of the year to win the national title. The yeah. problem I have with them – Friday is how deep are the scars from that beating by Alabama? They didn't lose the game by, by a late field goal. They got beaten badly. That can leave scars. And, and at the end of the day, we're still talking about college kids. I know a lot of them are going to the NFL, but they're still college kids. Are they going to be able to get off the deck emotionally? Are they going to be fired up? Or if, if Michigan gets a big break early, how are they going to react? I think Georgia's the better team. But Michigan wins it on a late field goal, 23-21. Mm. Oh, well, guys, to, guys, to your yeah. point, uh, the last thing about Cincy on my side would be is that we, we've talked here about Fickle could get a better job. Well, guess what? They're 33rd in recruiting, in national recruiting. They're the highest of the gang of five or whatever you want to call it. They have the best recruiting class, class coming in right now. If they win this game, if they win it OT or keep it close and they pull this thing out, as you said, it's going to be a tsunami effect throughout college football. Because if they're already that high in recruits now, then 
Fickle will get calls from Chicago and Jacksonville and say, screw that. I'm not going into an NFL mess. I'm going to stay right where I am because the job's not done. Yeah, I love both those points, guys, and especially that that it feels like a heart head game where I would love to see a Michigan Cincinnati championship. If they force me, you know, if they force me to rivers and I got to pick, I'm probably picking Bam and Georgia. And I'll do this on the podcast. I'll pick Bam and Georgia. Sure. But trust me, I'm more than willing to get that wrong because I want to see those moments we just talked about, about how much more fun it would be with some new names and some underdogs playing for the title. George Mason making the final four. Yeah. And if Cincinnati wins it, and I'm going to be rooting hard for the Bearcats. If there's anything right in this world, the first question after the game to Nick Saban is, what's your New Year's resolution? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would ask. Because <laughs> he's only right. going to have a couple hours to come up with one. That's right. <laughs> I I think you got to take the under, If for those of you playing the, the Georgia-Michigan game, I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I don't think the Bulldogs, Steve, that, that we've seen such a tremendous performance all year and then that one game. Uh, you guys know I'm a stat guy. 124 points scored against Georgia. One third of those points came in that game. Okay. Wow. So will McNamara duplicate Young's performance? Who will Georgia go with with QB? Bennett or Daniels? They've had COVID issues. Uh, Michigan is hot. Uh, I think right now they believe in themselves. Coach believes in himself more than they ever have. I think they could pull it off. And if I'm Georgia, I think you've got to try to put that game behind you. But also, you don't want to look ahead. Now, we know, and you played, Oz and, and Sean has covered it, at all levels of football, coaches say, it's this game, this game, this game. There is no tomorrow without this game. But everybody in that locker room, in the back of their mind, is going to think we could get them back. If you think that way and that becomes prominent, guess what? You're watching at home like the rest of us. I think Michigan also pulls it out. Okay. Hey, real quick, what do you guys think? There's something, it, it's becoming a trend. I don't like it, but I can't blame them, is the opt-outs for the Bulls. Christian McCaffrey started it a few years ago. I get it. They say they want to go train for the NFL. No, they don't. They just don't want to get hurt. And you can't blame someone. That's a top prospect. You look at the Pitt-Michigan State game coming up. Kenny Pickett's not going to play. Walker's not playing for the Spartans. And now all of a sudden, what do you have? Ohio State's had a bunch of opt-outs, and now the Rose Bowl loses. That's part of the reason the Bulls are declining a little bit. What are your guys' thoughts? I don't blame the players. Uh, you don't want to be uh, – was that Lattimore from South Carolina a few years ago tore his knee up in a bowl game, and he cost himself some major draft capital. Um, but it hurts the it hurts the allure of the bowl games, which at the end of the day, unless you're in the top four – it's a reward. It's an experience. You pick up some swag. You go play a football game. It's a vacation, guys. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to that because you know what you mentioned, Lattimore. You go to Jalen Smith. We talked about the Cowboys yeah. earlier. A Jake mm. Butt from the Broncos, who probably would have been a great tight end, and all the marketability he had with that last name and everything. Like so many <laughs> of these bowl games, right? Like, but I feel like this year, and it's wild to put this in perspective when we really think about it. That 2020 was affected by COVID. And now 2021 is being affected by COVID. But if you're a sponsor, right? Like if you're a business, we'll just use Tony the Tiger because that's the Sun Bowl, right? Or we could use Marshall Sports. It doesn't matter. So you spend a year promoting this. You've yes. given the city money. You've put up the banners. You've bought the T-shirts. You're putting in, for easy math, let's say a million dollars. And it's probably shorter than that. For one year, and you just blew a million bucks. Two years in a row, 
you potentially could have spent millions of dollars and got nothing back. Nothing. Yeah. So if you're a business and someone's presenting to you, hey, uh, you should sponsor a bowl game. Well, all the best players aren't going to be there. My fan base might not want to travel because the game might be meaningless to bigger traditional powers who don't want to see the team play in a – I don't want to take a shot at the pinstripe bowl, but let's just say like are they playing the, – or Clemson just played at Iowa State in a game they're not – the Cheez-It Bowl, right? Well, my fan base might not travel. My best players may not play. And now the businesses might pull out. This – the NCAA has to see this coming and being like, okay, uh, the Cheez-It Bowl, you know what? We got to expand. Like we can't lose this money. We can't yeah. afford right. this money getting taken away. The businesses is going to win the argument every time. Two years in a row, we spent money. Two years in a row, we got nothing in return. We need to start seeing return of investment. If that means the cheese it Bowl yeah. or the Pinstripe Bowls, uh, the first round of the Sweet 16, if we want to call it that, or the round of 32, cool. There's your bowl game. There's your money. There's your players. Yep. Everybody's happy. And, They're not and you're trying to grab play. the teams, right. remember, that have the I, – I went to a bowl game where BC brought fans. You want, as the sponsor, the marquee teams that bring the people. That bring the fan base that, you know, you see it in basketball. If, when we work a regional <clears throat> and we see that Louisville's coming, oh, baby, here right. come the, the restaurants opening, all of that. The money, as you say, guys, is right on target. The problem now is NIL. If you're trying to promote the teams that are coming in and you're saying you're going to see guys and you're going to see this guy and this guy and they sit, that goes to Sean's point. And that's a problem because if I'm putting in a ton of money and I love cheese, it's just like the rest of us. <laughs> I want to see marquee teams, but I want to see the marquee players. And now yeah. you can promote them with NIL. And if they sit, that's not good. The, you know, you look at the holiday bowl. That's always one of the best games. Yeah. UCLA bags out a couple of hours before the game is supposed to be played. They didn't know what to do. NC state was still there. And I think they gave it a day or two to try and find another team, and they can't. I wonder if the NSA, if they could do it again. The only teams allowed to practice after the season are bowl teams. Non-qualifiers can't make it. I wonder if they would revisit that and, you know, get extend a practice period for a program that doesn't make a bowl game. Now you have a built-in sub. Now hopefully this, this is the last year we have to deal with this COVID crap. But, um, yeah, it's tough. And you're right, guys. I mean, I – Putting on a bowl game, I've never done it, but I know it's more than just uh, setting up the scoreboard and painting the football field. There's a lot more that goes to it. And you're right. Now some of these guys are out for two years. I mean, how many games have been canceled this year? I stopped counting. Yeah, and hopefully it doesn't discourage anybody from the Godzilla Media Bowl coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> you going to have Cheez-Its? Yes, that's right. We'll partner <laughs> right. with somebody yeah, else yeah. then. That's the way to do it. That's it. That, Eric, you've, you've done this. There we go. Two sponsors for one, right? <laughs> I'll soak you with some mayo. Thank you, Sean. Bowl. It actually talked would, about last week. Good. 518 bookkeeping. Get in with three partners now. We can put some mayo. We get four partners. All right. I like where this is going. I think it should be Mohawk Honda Johnstown Bowl, but we won't, you know. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, boys. We ready for uh, the whiteboards? Uh, let's do it. And, and I, guys, I don't want to jump the gun and I don't want to go first, but I feel like mine is so perfectly set up for this and segued go in first. the segue sitting there. Uh, this is like the slowest developing magic trick of all time. I wrote down, uh, you can't see it. There you go. NIL on the back of a trivia sheet rather than a whiteboard. There you go. The costs are low here in December. I get a sponsor <laughs> for my whiteboard soon, but hey, we already mentioned NIL. And this is the thing I had for my whiteboard that, 2021 and heading into 2022, when you look back on a year, especially here in the final week of December, 
You wonder what happened in the year and what could be on the way. What's that big prediction we have here for sports that could change the landscape of the way we think about sports? On this episode, we talked about the college football playoff. And 10 years ago, that was a dream for sports fans. Hell, the last two years, now you can legally wager on sports, and that would have been laughed about five to seven years ago, but it's happened. But maybe for the first time ever in the m M&M and m Across the Board podcast, to reference sports gambling, to quote the great Miley Cyrus, it came in like a wrecking ball. And everybody <laughs> wants to bet everywhere across the board on something. Now, for somebody like me, who we've touched on in this episode that played college athletics, I saw what the NIL could do for athletes. And people like Bryce Young, who I covered at this year's Heisman Trophy, who before he even took a snap in Alabama, a five-star recruit from Matterday High School, is already making a million bucks. But besides the Bryce Youngs of the world and the wonderful athletes who might be having great followers on Instagram, both male and female, NIL may not have been as successful as we think right now. We're in this weird spot here that people like the Barstool Sports and people like these companies, whether it be at the local, regional, or national level, might be taking a step back and wondering, you know, COVID has affected our business. Is investing in a teenager the right decision? Think back when you were 18 and 19, if someone handed you five or $10,000 and said, do something, hell, your parents might not even get you to do something. Now a business and you've got money in your pocket is telling you to do something. I thought NIL would take off like it never would. And I'm glad that an athlete can go down and sign an autograph and make money and put on a camp for their local high school or college. That's great. But now I'm worried about 2022. I don't know if the NIL is going to have any type of the boom that I thought it would. I hope it does. And hell, I hope it happens here in upstate New York. I hope that next year, this time, we're talking about Siena and UAlbany and Syracuse and more athletes from New York who got these opportunities. But it hasn't happened in 2021. Hopefully the world changes. But that's my whiteboard that I wanted NIL to do better in 2021. And I hope it's better. And that's my prediction, that we take some step of understanding in 2022. Well, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> great points. And I'm jealous because when I was 18 or 19 and somebody told me to do something, I would do it on a dare, much less for five grand. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, well, you want to go? That, that I'll just say that the one thing about that, there is no blueprint on this. There's right. no history on this. So this can be a free-for-all. And there's companies up opening up all over the place and college athletic departments have to have a staff member a compliance or somebody else to get, keep it under control and keep people informed because there's no history here. Absolutely right. And it's, it's a weird spot where how's it going to happen? Where are you going to find the budget, budget for that all of a sudden these college programs and how much do you pay them and why should you pay them? I hope we get clarity in 2022 on it. All right, Sean? Eric, what do you got? All right, guys, as you know, we do a number of the month. And I was going to say only uh, Ashley remembers the age 30. I think the two of us uh, may recall 30 a few years ago. But Five, six, you have a list. Of th I'm going to give you, I had to have a tie. But what we do, folks, is we pick a number of the month and we pick the top three players now or ever who wear that number. 30 is very interesting. It's not just about hockey. And we start with the tie, Nolan Ryan, Ken Griffey Jr. I could not eliminate either one. Ryan pitched 27 years, 324 wins, 5,700 Ks. We know about the seven career no-hitters, the Hall of Fame. He led the majors in Ks 11 times, things that he's done that will never happen again. That's important. 
And his number 30 is retired by the Angels. We include him here because of that, even though his 34 is with Houston and Texas retired. Nolan Ryan's an angel, no question. Nolan Ryan is a Met, couldn't hit the back of a barn, but he is tied <laughs> with Junior. Now, Junior, 2,700 hits, 630 homers, 1,800 ribbies. Imagine, guys, if he'd not run into the wall all the time where he would have been. Went into the Hall of Fame, 13-time All-Star, and an AL MVP. Number two, I think in time, may become one. Number two to me is Steph Curry. Now, he's the all-time leader we know in three-pointers made now over 3,000. He's going to obliterate. That'll be like Ty Cobb's hit record was, or Cy Young's wins, excuse me. Nobody will touch it later. Regular season three-point shooting record, two-time MVP, seven-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA team. He's only 32. Three-time NBA champ, two-time scoring. He made the NBA's 75th anniversary team. And I do believe that, yes, his number 30 will be in the rafters in San Francisco, hopefully not in the near future. So that leaves number one, and hats off to Martin Brodeur, as it must be pronounced. 691 wins. 691 for a goalie. All-time regular season record. Okay, 125 shutouts, also a record. Who the hell gets those numbers, okay? In fact, he's 100 wins more than second place Patrick Grouin. Only goalie with eight 40-win seasons, nine-time All-Star, three-time Stanley Cup champ, got the two gold medals in the Olympics, five times for the Jennings, four with the Vezina, Hockey Hall of Fame inductee. And the last piece on him, of the 100 greatest players in the NHL, they did that in a couple of years uh, back in 17, only 15 goalies selected, and he's one of them. So, to me, the number one, number 30, has to be Martin Brodeur. Did I pronounce that well? <laughs> yes, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I think, think for, the rest, for the rest of the show, I'm going to just change the pronunciation. I am now Sean Martin. Yes, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> we won't do Gislowski on that. The mics will get all crumbled <laughs> with sweat. And okay, Mr. Martin, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, Eric, I, I agree with, with your three, although I, I I put Curry one just because I think he's changed the game so much. That said, I think Brodeur is the best goalie to ever play in the NHL. Um, he was the most feared for me, not being a Devils fan, having to play against him. Uh, you know, if the Devils ever got a 2 nothing lead on you, it felt like it was 4 nothing. Uh, and Nolan Ryan's on my Mount Rushmore, favorite all-time players. Uh, but I'm going to give you three different guys since we we agreed. One, Jerry Cheevers, the old Bruin goaltender with the greatest face mask in the history of face masks <laughs> with the stitches all over his mask. Magic and then two, two near and dear to me, and we talked about the Heisman Trophy earlier, uh, Mike Rozier, Nebraska in the early 80s, and uh, back to John Madden's days, Mark Van Egan, the, the Colgate uh, grad running back who was a big, big player for the Raiders in the 70s. Uh, before actually going to New England to play for the Patriots. So I'll give you those three. How about you guys? The only one I would have added was Terrell Davis, because when you mentioned your three, yes. when you mentioned Owen Ryan and Ken Griffey Jr., you, are, you did a great job of it. There's other numbers I thought of them wearing, like Griffey Jr., I thought of 24 for the Mariners. But when you stack up their careers, Ryan and Griffey Jr. versus Davis, yes, they're better 30s than those guys. You know, it's funny about that curry martin Brodeur argument because I was ready to give Curry as one in my arguments. One of my favorite things to do in sports is if Eric McDowell, Sean Martin, and Gaz were 
invaded my aliens and the aliens came down and they said, all right, you three can save the world right now, but you have to pick one person to make a basketball shot. Steph Curry would be my pick from anywhere on the court, full court, half court, three pointer layup. But that same thing can be said about Martin Bordeaux. If somebody's going to take one shot at the goal, I'd like to have him in net for me. So that kind of pauses my argument right there. So I'm fine with the legendary goalie at one and Steph Curry at two. But like you also said, five years from now, We'll reset this conversation and see if it's a lot harder to do with those two one two. I'll uh, just throw a couple other names of contenders that people would agree with. Tim Raines, Yankee fans, of course. Willie Randolph would be in there. Maury Wills. Uh, Del Curry, of course, number 30 before Steph. Bernard King, who had a great career with the Knicks. Remember Todd Gurley a couple of years ago? It did yeah. well with the Rams later in Atlanta. And Henrik Lundqvist, a, a tremendous career with the Rangers and Bertie Perrant as well. Chris Sod goes with Detroit. And hats off to the two uh, active guys that I'd throw out, Kyle Tucker and Eric Hosmer. So hats off to number 30. All right. New Year. Let me line this up. New Year resolutions, right? I got one for me. I want to someday have the bravery of that reporter who asked that question to Bill Belichick. <laughs> hey, look, I've, I've had some tough coaches, but nothing near that level. That is just either she was just going for it, even after the loss, or oblivious to who Bill Belichick was and how ornery he can be. Kudos to her for that question. She stuck to her guns, and guys, you said it before. You go to a press conference and some people already have their their story idea kind of in their head. And she's there to talk about resolutions. I can't believe she was first. I believe she was first up there. I don't know who made that call, but uh, good for her for sticking with it. Or again, just being oblivious to it and asking it anyway. I go to press conferences. Yeah, the TV people are talking about the opponents coming up for the week on a Tuesday presser and everything. I'm talking about, you know, how somebody coming back from injury or, or whatever angle I have. So good for her to do that. I loved it. I've watched that clip at least 20 times. And like I said before, I'm now praying for Cincinnati to win so somebody can loft that uh, softball to Nick Saban on Friday night. (laughs) The term bravery and bold and dumb somewhere can be on a scale, (laughs) right? So like, if you can see on our visual sign, I got some Syracuse stuff up behind me. I've been in those press conferences where the kid from WAER or the kid from ZD9 wants to be the next Bob Costas and tries to go with Coach Beheim. And you just watch like an old school wrestler, just him clotheslining the young, bold or dumb or brave college student who tried it. So, yeah, like you said, Sean, <laughs> brave, bold, oh, brave. or dumb, one of the three for the New Year's resolution. Oblivious. I don't know. There's a lot of words you can use for that, but uh, good for her. Because if nothing else, a lot of coaches. Yeah, I'm thinking of a lot of coaches in my head and how they were. Can you imagine what Madden wouldn't have would have done? I mean, think about all these hockey coaches that we've seen that are tight lipped. That now is not the time, but she got a good job out of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, folks. By the way, you want to follow us on Twitter at mmmatb1 and this wonderful podcast, the last of 2021, can be found on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. And, guys, thanks again, buddy. Thanks for jumping in. Uh, Enjoy having you, and then hopefully we'll see you again soon. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I Hopefully I've lived up to the Joe Calderones and the Liana Bonavitas, the fill-ins before. Ashley, I know we'll put you guys in great hands for the 2022 episodes on the way. Happy New Year to you and your family. Keep up the great work here, and uh, 
Looking forward to some more exciting sports talk from you guys coming up next year. All right, gentlemen. Be Thank well. You. Happy New Year. Take care, everyone.